Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's that time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And there it is, the rooster, cock-a-doodle-doo, the premieres for 2013, the Sydney Roosters. And now we are here, the fifths, the award show for the fifth and last podcast. 24 categories coming up, as well as our team of the year. Brock, I'm excited. Me too. I've had a uh, researching for a couple of days. Um, I've actually got blisters from where I've overused the pen, so that's how hard I've been researching and, you know... Never, never a dull moment in the life of a podcaster. That's uh, pretty, obs- pretty obsessive from uh, all terms, but we're going to jump straight into it. Uh, as we announced during the week, the fifths is the name of the show. There will be uh, this show end of every year, a bit similar to that of the Dally M, some categories, but also it's way better than others on top of that. It's going to be a lot better. Way than, better. Yeah, well, it's going to be better. No Tony Squires, well, that, no Justice Crew. Come on. That was pretty much what I was going to get at. <laughs> Tony Squires in particular, mate. Uh, poor effort. And poor no, no Russell Crowe asking the director on live television what they're up to or what round they're doing yeah, or what's going on. Come so on, Rusty. No South Sydney bias either. But starting things off, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to name members of our team of the year, our individual teams of the year, and then later on we're going to post a combined team, the fifth and last team of the year, on the Facebook page. But we're going to break the team up Positionally, and in between, we're going to have other awards such as rookie, super sub, so on and so forth. So, as we go through all the awards, by the end, we'll both have a one to thirteen and four bench players who are technically honourable mentions. So, it doesn't need to be structured like an NRL bench with a couple of forwards and a hooker. It can be whatever positions you want. But starting things off, team of the year, Brock, your fullback, Billy Slater, Billy Slater, and my team of the year fullback is also Billy Slater. Hmm. Well, there you go. They're obviously, probably the one that people would say, oh, why isn't it Greg Inglis? Well, um, I, I just think Billy Slater had more of an impact on the Melbourne side than what Inglis did. I think Inglis started the year off on fire, but um, I think Slater, towards the back end of the year, was almost carrying Melbourne by himself. I think Cronk's form um, you know, levelled out a little bit, as did Smith's, and I thought Billy was by far and away the best of the big three um, at the business end of the season. Well, on top of that, and for anyone out there, the people that were saying that Greg Inglis will win the Dally M with 36 points or something stupid along those lines, he barely played uh, after Origin. I didn't think he was that good in Origin, and he never caught fire again after that period. Exactly. Whereas uh, Billy Slater just, is just consistent all throughout the year. I think people forget he did still finish with a tally of 18 tries. He was in the line break assists leaderboard uh, along with the halves and on top of that he's just got his finger in everything he's probably the busiest player I've ever seen and uh, Rabs Warren and a lot of other blokes will tell you the exact same thing they've never seen a busier player in all the time they have been watching rugby league and 
He's consistent. That's the simple word. That's the reason I don't give it to Inglis. He stole your heart with a couple of moments, but don't be fooled by that. Rugby league to me, uh, it's the four-year performance. They didn't go as far as they should have, neither did Melbourne, but I still think Billy had a better all-around year than Greg Inglis. So Agreed. that's the reasoning for him being my fullback and probably Brock's fullback of the year. But on to our other awards now, starting off with Rookie of the Year. There was plenty of players that couldn't be considered, but Brock, who's your Rookie of the Year? Tohu Harris is my Rookie of the Year. I know a lot of people would say, well, what about Anthony Milford? I think um, for Tohu Harris to go over and play in the World Club Challenge, he was a member of that side, which won that trophy. He then only missed one game. Um, for the remainder of the season for the Melbourne Storm, which is uh, a pretty incredible feat for uh, a guy um, who was making his NRL debut this year. Mm. Well, I did go Anthony Milford. Yep. Uh, I think he's outstanding. It's not for what everyone does, where they see one try and say this and that. That young bloke pretty much carried that side on his back, as far as I'm concerned, yep. for the back end of the year. How they wasted time using him for 10, 15 minutes off the bench for those first few games when clearly he was just destroying it mm. uh, is beyond me. But even in those games where they got walloped, always Anthony Milford scores a try, scores a double, you know, makes 200 metres, 150 metres. He played fullback, he played 5'8", he played a bit of 7, and he's a lightweight 18-year-old who had no right to have to take that responsibility, but he did. Yeah. And he took that from McCrone, Campese. There's a lot of senior guys. David Schilling, there's a lot to be answered for down at Canberra, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a it's a pretty hard situation, but I thought he was outstanding. And, um, you know, there, there was plenty of other players, honourable mentions, obviously, go out to players like Matt Moylan, uh, David Nofaluma. I think Simona debuted last year, didn't he? So yeah. I, I can't count him, but uh, there was a ton of rookies and names. Well, you could... for guys that basically their first year, full year in first grade. Yeah, so, well, I, I mean, Dylan Napa, Shek. Luke Keary. Yeah. Uh, Sheck played last year, though. He debuted. Yeah, yeah but I mean, I'm, I'm not doing... his first full year in first grade, yeah. you know. That's like George Burns. I'm not giving. That's like the rookie of the year category. I don't like the fact if someone's played less than five games, technically they've debuted. I know yeah. it may be a disadvantage, but I, you know, Milford to me had the biggest impact in the side that he was in. So yeah. has to be him. But Walk, Dylan Walker, Dylan Napa, all these kind of guys, Luke Kerry, Nofaluma, Matt Moylan, all big names of the future. Yeah. So a lot to look forward to. But now moving on to another award, the Rep Player of the Year. What do you think, Corey Parker? Hands down. Well, um, I, I thought. Corey Parker was brilliant in uh, Game 2 in uh, in Brisbane. I thought he just tore us apart. Um, I don't think he played Game 1. He no, he in, didn't. And I said to you that I thought that impact. Ashley Harrison was ready to go, not because yeah, he doesn't have a go, slow. but in particular in attack, in those kind of games, you need somebody to deliver on both sides of the ball. And for a bloke who's seemed to have done the reverse of what you do in the NRL, which is slow down as you get older, Corey Parker seems to have got better the older he's got. Mm. Uh, he's an 80-minute player. He was my rep player of the year as well. He's got offloads. He's got footwork. Uh, he, he's a tireless worker, but he just set the tone in both those games as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he worked his ass off in both of them. You know, I, I, I thought Dugan was close. Dugan was close in my mind. Even though game two, they got bashed. I thought he did very, very well being under the pump so much. Yeah. I thought Fafita and Watmau and Smith, all these guys had good series, but Parker's two games, he didn't have a lull. Yeah, His two games was better than anyone's three put together, I thought. Yeah. so. I'm kind of with you on that, and I'm sure he'll kill it over at the World Cup. So congratulations, Corey Parker, the fifth rep player of the year. But now we're back to our teams of the year. Now we want your wingers. So your two wingers. Um, I think yours will be the same, but uh, Georgie Tafua and Roger Tuovasashek. They are the same, George Tafua and Roger Tuovasashek, both out of the grand final teams. That's got no correlation as to why they are our wingers of the year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 
Tafua should have played Origin. Um, two of us are Sheck for the majority of the season, especially in yardage, always broke the first tackle, mm. made the fir- first goal <clears> miss. And hit-ups. Um, and he'll go to fullback next year and he'll just be a, he'll give the Roosters a, a totally different element to what Anthony Minicello does there. And nothing against Minicello, but I think it was a really smart move to put someone someone as experienced as Minicello back there this year. Um, give two of us a check the year to adjust on the wing. Um, he's going to be super for them next year at fullback. Yeah, well, by far, in my mind, how George Tafua didn't even get a nom for winger of the year. I, you know, I'm happy that Roger won it, but I still think that George Tafua is the best winger in the comp. Yeah. Uh, he's a fullback turn winger, which is my favourite because, uh, you know, they tend to have a better skill set. There's no such thing as a specialist winger. <laughs> no, nah, not anymore. I don't pick him. If you're on a good winger now, you get a fullback and you turn him into a winger. But yeah. He's a human bulldozer. He makes metres. He led the line breaks in the competition, which is absolutely ridiculous for a bloke who has to run one out at a dummy half, and you know he's coming. Yeah. But every single he's week... little, too. He is just a menace. He runs down short side corridors. People can't put him over the sideline. I call him the Russian tank because he can't be moved, and he can finish. So yeah. good on him. And two of us are Sheck. His footwork's dazzling. His work rate's outstanding and well-deserved spot as the wingers of the year for our teams. But now we move on to the super sub of the year. And I think there's two... Very obvious candidates for this one, and that would be George Burgess or no, James Seguiara. I've gone Seggy. Yeah, well, I've gone Seguiara as well, but Seguiara. they're the only two I think you'd really bring on. Because every time George come on, yeah. he ran over the top of everyone, made 150 metres and scored a pie. And every time Seguiara come on, he, scored a try. he just created absolute havoc around the ruck. People yeah. fell asleep on him. I have no idea how he got as many dummy half tries as he did. If that's not on your tip sheet every week... To just whack James Seguiaro, I'm just not here. Yeah, shout out to the boys on the Centibet Hill who have got the little Seguiaro syndicate, they call it. They all chip in a fiver each before every game and back him to score a try at some ridiculous odds during the year, seven fifty eight dollars at the start. Um, and then it just got to the point where it was, you know, he, he got in as short as $4 at stages and it was just like stealing money. As soon as he got on the field, he'd make an impact. So shout out to those boys. But what a, what a year for Seguiaro. Yeah, I was, like I said, I have to give the honourable mention to George Burgess as well, but I don't. Yeah. You can't go past CEO. The no. big, the big bopper was exciting to watch, but he turned Penrith around single-handedly every time he got on the field. So he's only going to get better. Yeah. Oh well, he's probably going to be the starter next year, but I, I'd still probably stick with Kingston. No, I think I think honest. things will stay exactly the same. <laughs> I just think Segiara will get more minutes. Yeah, I'd have to say exactly the same. Congratulations, James Segiara, you're the super sub of the year in the fifths awards. But now, the most improved player in the NRL. And uh, I looked at this one, and I thought two people from the same team, being either Boyd Cordner or Jake Friend. Yep. But I think it's fairly obvious that there was massive raps already on Boyd Cordner to be a potential future New South Wales and Australian player. And guess what? It's already happened. So it's not really a surprise. But Jake Friend. Yeah. I agree. I player of the year. started the year. I um I labelled or well, I, I laid some questions out there about Jake Friend, and he's answered the majority of them. Put it that way. Um. I had uh, question marks over his ability to ball play out of dummy half. Um, I had question marks over just the impact that he could have on that side. Um, he was sort of, I'd labelled sort of him and Minicello as the two weaknesses. Um, obviously, they had, had good halves, but uh, the, the amount of improvement that we've seen out of Jake Friend this year, it was always, it was always in dribs and drabs. Um, but I can't remember a bad game he played this year. No. There might have been one or two stinkers he had. Um, but as a coach, you can cop that because the rest of the year he was um, definitely in their top three players every week. Well, this is no surprise for me. And you know for a fact that I've been drumming his bandwagon for about the last three years before 
Robertson turned up and said that he needed to develop a kicking game and a bit of dummy half. I love him. He's a tough little bastard. Uh, he plays 80 minutes if he needs to this year. Obviously, Mortimer <clears throat> provided some relief. But even before that, the last couple of years, I've just loved his intent. Yeah. He makes 50 tackles. He attacks. He's just an absolutely relentless player. And I think he's definitely now the number two to Cameron Smith for Queensland. I think Matt oh, Ballon... Definitely. Matt Ballon's a bit older, but he doesn't offer that. And I think McCulloch slipped back in the pecking order this year. Yeah. So, Jake Friend easily now... Whether that's McCulloch's fault or his coach's fault, that's two different... Or it's a different discussion altogether, isn't it? Well, even this year, from what I've seen, compared to McCulloch's best, I'd still be taking Friend, to be honest. I think Friend's given a lot more in his package. Yeah. Congratulations, Jake Friend. You are our most improved player of the year. But back to our team of the year, we need our centres now. So um, who have you got? Yeah, this was a tough one for me. I went Lyon uh, and Jennings. Um, I, I also thought that Dean Ware could have easily jumped in there. Um, even Steve Maddow, he had a, he had a pretty good year. Um, yeah, there are there a range of uh, players that could have could have jumped in there, but um, Justin Hodges probably would have been there ahead of Jennings yeah. for me if he didn't get injured. Um, he, had a, he had a great origin series. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I've gone Lyon and Jennings. Well, mine are the same, and I had pretty much the same honourable mentions. Dean Farah, I thought, uh, you know, number one in line break assists for a bloke who was a centre. He gave a thousand tries to David Simmons, made him look like a superstar, and he whacked people in defence. He was underrated in my eyes, as was Hodges. If he doesn't get injured, he's probably there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Matawai Simona, I give a mention to at the end of the year. He was very good. After he finally got in his regular position, and uh, also. Go guys and Yeah, one. him and Leilua, both very good. But, yeah, I've got Lyon and Jennings. Lyon is outstanding. I wish he would play for New South Wales and Australia, but he just won't. Mm. Doesn't like the spotlight, doesn't want to be ripped on, so that's too bad for us. And Michael Jennings, why he doesn't probably put in the amount of work like a Hodges or, uh, you know, little bits and pieces like that. His finishing ability you saw in that game. The, the try, final, yeah. The try you saw in Origin. And his defence this year, I've got to give a massive rap to. He's got much better at just coming in and whacking a man. Instead of holding up or making the wrong decision, so I think he, well, he scored. I think he scored. If you say had to name uh, top five tries for the year, Jennings' try in the grand final would be one of them, and Jennings' try in Origin, as you just said, would be another one in the top five. So mm. uh, he's a he's got unbelievable turn of foot, good pace. His footwork is incredible. Um, and he's only going to improve as well. Uh, I've seen a massive improvement and also probably an attitude change since he's got out of Penrith that was sort of poisoning him a little bit, um, but he looks a lot happier at the, the Roosters, so I look forward to seeing him improve again next year. Yeah, well, he seemed to have found that comfort zone, uh, obviously, here, and things weren't going that great. He wasn't getting the pill, and they weren't doing so well, but yeah. uh, moving into a winning environment, a very professional environment, obviously a bit more discipline and <clears throat> somewhere where that he wasn't the kingpin he had to fit in. Yeah, it's done a world of good. So congratulations, Michael Jennings and Jamie Lyon, centres of the year for the fifth and last team. But now, best coach, I don't really think we even need to give a build up for this one. No, because all your obvious names they've had their teams, they've been established, but it has to go to Trent Robinson. Yep, yep, hundred percent. I can't say anything more than what we've already said about him. Um, wins a competition in his first year, joins a very very elite club in that regard. Uh, he seems to have a very calm. Um, an insightful demeanour. Uh, he obviously has pulled together a, a team um, with dribs and drabs of, of superstars from all uh, all different walks and all different clubs. Uh, and then you also throw in the fact that, and, and I've said this before, that um, you know he probably had the least amount of time out of any NRL coach to prepare his side for this season, especially with Sonny Bill and Jennings coming in late. Um, so. 
tremendous. I don't think he had a hiccup at all this year. I don't think he had a blow up at no. all. I don't think he he was ever um, you know he never didn't give an interview. He, he never he never seemed flustered. He just always seemed calm and um, you know he, he's going to have a great effect on that club. And you know look at what he's done in one year. Imagine what he can do in over five years if if all things um, stay equal. Well, that's why, you know, like I said, Bellamy, Bennett, all these guys, you've seen it before, nothing's brand new. Uh, they didn't obviously win the grand final, but Trent Robertson's gone to the probably the most volatile job to take over. It's always been a club full of egos. It's whether you can bring it together. Not only did he smash egos of people like, a, you know, a Jared or uh, God knows who else. You've got Sonny Bill Williams coming in. You've got Boyd Cordner, Minicello, Michael Jennings, all these guys coming together. And not only did he take the top-level guys that he had in this side, but we spoke about the other day, the sign of a really good coach is bringing the players like two of us a check, your two pose, Jake Friend, Aiden Guerra, Mortimer, all up to the standard, so you have that elite side. You don't have that gap. And you look at him and even Sam Moa, all these guys that come over here that we had question marks over now are all you know at that elite level. A lot of them are getting rep jerseys or they've got upgraded. He's built one hell of a side, and it's going to be scary to see what happens next year. Exactly. So congratulations to Trent Robinson, but now the flip side, the worst coach in the NRL. Ricky Stewart. He walked out on a contract. He, uh, you know, he he made all a lot of huffing and puffing heading into Parramatta. You know, I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to give it a tough edge. And the stupidest decision out of the whole, um, you know, the whole situation or the whole twelve months where Ricky Stewart was at the joint was getting them back to training at the start of the final series, just flogging these players into the ground. Um, he then reneged on his contract. I know he had his reasons for that. Um, I still think it's really poor on his behalf to talk a big game and then walk out on a club. He also uh, you know, put the red pen through a lot of players and then um, didn't show any accountability um, to any of that. He, he just walked out. Um, I, I get the impression it got a little bit too hard for him. Um, he didn't have the answers. He talked a big game, but yet again... Um, you know, he's failed to deliver at a club, and it's now the third club. He's moved on to Canberra. I do not understand the uh, fascination with all the clubs wanting Ricky Stewart, apart from the fact that he was a good player. Good players don't make good coaches. Um, well, they don't always make good coaches. And um, for me, I, I'll be really, really interested to see how he goes in Canberra next year. We've already heard murmurs that um, things aren't all rosy down there. He's already upset the apple cart. So it'll be interesting to see how far that wick has burned. Um, before kickoff in March. Yeah, well, the bad start come from getting rid of Andrew Dunneman, who was somebody that they all really got attached to this year because he gave them what David Ferner wasn't giving them, which was a bit of stimulation, a point of difference, and you know a bit of variety in their football. When since Ferner's been there, nothing had changed, and they really did like Dunneman, but he's got the flick. Uh, Stuart was bringing his own staff that upset a lot of players, so I'll be happy. Or interested well, you, bring to your whole, you bring your whole staff that's failed elsewhere. I just don't get. I don't get it. Yeah, well, I don't see you can offload somebody like that who's had such success though, and is so well liked. They're the kind of people you want to keep around you yeah. to kind of give you, you know, not only that barrier, barrier, but you've already built a good relationship. Imagine how well him and uh, him and Cam are going to get on. The way Cam carries on. Yeah, well, um, I mean, and this is a playing group that has been uh, renowned for you know knifing their coach in the back this year. Mm. It's not a real real good place to be going. No, um, for me and. Especially with his track record, he, he had a bloody, uh, you know, probably one of the best teams of the decade at the Roosters and only managed to win one grand final. Mm. Um, went to the Sharks, won a minor premiership, and then rode, rode that ship into the ground. And 
has since done exactly the same to Parramatta. What about yours? I know yours is different. Yeah, well, mine's Steve Price. Yep. Uh, I don't know what else to say other than the bloke has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> Simple. Mitchell Rain getting brought off the field, benching Trent Merrin as an impact player in a side that doesn't need an impact. They need him on the field every single minute That's a fair point. of the game. Buying Jared Beal as your gun fullback, and now you're loaded up with talent. They've got nowhere for him to go. Mm. And no offence, when your only two real strike weapons are on the wings, Morris and Nightingale, find a way to get them more involved. Yeah. They didn't have centres this year. Surely one of those blokes could have slotted in at centre and fullback when Doom was injured have moved, uh, and they didn't have centres. Yeah, Brett Morris, Morris and Josh Morris have both, you know, got the ability to play centre wing fullback. Nightingale's played fullback. Yep. When you when your tools are not there and Wayman struggling and I give him one thing, he blooded some good kids like Frizzell, DeBellin and whatnot, and things are looking better and they've bought all right, but just Well, next year's it for him. The like if, he, if he makes it through the off season, it's still Remains to be seen whether he will. But it's it's game plan. It's uh, it's the Nathan Fiend situation. Like I know Drinkwater wasn't in the best of form, but when you're paying somebody, and it's not like a park football where you can drop a kid because you know they've all registered. You don't have any attachment to them. When you've paid money for a gun young half and you don't have a halfback, bad form or not, when you've got a bloke who is thirty something years old and a guy that plays fullback playing five eight, and neither of your halves can kick the ball which is one of the most basic things you need in the NRL game, is a solid kicking game. And poor old Nathan Fiend, I thought he did a great job. He did. He carried that in a crap situation. But, you know, for F's sake, I just want to blow up. Put yeah. bloody drink water in. Don't buy him and make... You put him back to A grade. That's how far he damaged the kid this year. Yeah. He was shattered by the end of the year. He got a couple of games right near the end, but I don't, I don't know what he was thinking. I'm, I'm in the Mitchell Rain, Craig Gart, there's a lot of good things there. I'd be interested to see what he does next year, but... Mm. Number one, get a game plan, Steve Price. How about that? Mm. Put something in place. I think he would have learned a lot under Bennett, but it's not... Well, so far, it hasn't really showed. I know people are going to defend him and say Bennett took all the players. Bennett didn't take anything. They knew that was coming. He had two years to prepare for it. He didn't really do too much. Proper preparation prevents piss-poor performance. He knew. like They were talking about that way before Bennett left, that he was going to be the successor. So if he had some idea, he should have had things in place or ready to roll straight Maybe away. Maybe he was stargazing for too long. So at that time... in the hot seat. That time has come. But moving on from that, we're back to the team of the year. We want our halves pairing. Halves pairing, Maloney and Cherry Evans. Uh, again, um, I think you've got the same. Yep, the we same. do. So, so um, far, we're symmetrical. I know da- uh, the Dalian medal went to Cooper Cronk, but I thought uh, after 26 rounds, I would have agreed. I, I thought Cooper Cronk was the best half um, in the game over 26 rounds. But quite clearly, Daly, Cherry Evans and James Maloney were the two form halves of the final series. And... I'll give Mitchell Pearce a rap. I thought he was probably the third best half across that final series um, with, with the likes, likes of Jared Mullen. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't say any more. I mean, Maloney, what a buy. They bought him 12 months in advance. Um, you know, he he always seems to be laughing. He seems to lighten the mood. He plays a... Uh, <laughs> sometimes he steps over the line on the field. He likes to niggle. He likes to talk. I love it. Um, the first half on the weekend, he played absolutely diabolical. But to his credit, similar to Sonny Bill, champion players in difficult situations can produce. And second half, they needed him and uh, SBW to deliver, and they both did. So well, Terry Evans, I totally agree with him getting the Churchill Medal. I thought he was the best player on the field yeah. in the grand final, and uh, I'm very comfortable with those two as my halves. Well, Maloney, I just can't get over. I, I was jumping for joy when they signed him 12 minutes of advance. I was absolutely stoked. I thought, this is what they need. And then when they got Sonny Bill, it was even more of a release valve for Mitchell Pierce, But James Maloney got, still, in my eyes, got bugger all credit in this situation. Mm. He got absolutely zero credit for anything that happened. But this year, the bloke hits holes harder than the forwards do. 
He yeah. always plays square. Uh, he's got a nice pass on him. He's involved in everything. He's probably the best supporting half in the competition. And I don't think people take into account his kicking game as well as his goal kicking. I'll tell you uh, how confident I was Maloney to have an impact on this game. Sporting bet had a market for the grand final for a try by either team to be scored from over 50 metres. And I thought, I can just see Maloney... Yeah, running through a hole. Punching through a hole or, or getting an offload. Yeah. yeah, and scoring a long-range try. And sure enough, they scored a long-range try. Um, and Maloney had a, played a part in that. Um, yeah, it's well done to him. But on the, the Cherry Evans side of things, and I told you this the other day, I'm the biggest Melbourne fan you've ever met, and I'm more than willing to say that if Cherry Evans doesn't have to play Origin on the bench, where he really didn't get a chance to get Daly M points... Yeah, I think he probably rolls Cooper Cronk for that award. No. Uh, I think well, if they don't get rolled by Penrith, they play half decent in that game when he scores a couple of points. Yeah. Or... But no offence again to Cooper Cronk, but at the same time, I think the last game he got a bit of a vote because he kicked the field goal to get those bonus points. Yeah. And Dave Taylor was really the only Titans player to take anything off him. So mm-hmm. in scaling that up, I think Cherry Evans, given not playing Origin and playing club footy, and given that last game back, he probably rolls Cooper Cronk. But yeah. his development this year is scary, and I think it's pretty... Obvious that if Cooper Conk slips up, that he's going to lose that spot to Cherry Evans in Queensland and Australia. Yeah. So well, the other two, the two notable mentions for me were Conk and Foran. Oh, well, I've got I love Foran. Conk and Foran, but also I thought Carney around his injuries was yeah. very good. Uh, Jared Mullen, I death rode at the start of the year. I thought he had a he pretty good year. Yeah. And uh, John Sutton had a pretty big year. I thought he got quiet near the back end, but yeah, you need them. You needed you needed Reynolds and Sutton to yeah. deliver at the at the big games, and they didn't. I suppose you can mention JT as well, but he disappointed me. He left his late really run. I okay, wanted yeah. million dollars. I wanted to justify it all year. He decided to start playing with six weeks to go. So. Yeah. No cigar there, but congratulations, James Maloney and Daly Cherry Evans are the halves of the year for the fifths in our team. We're going to have a quick break, and then we're going to keep going with our awards. For all the latest rugby league gear, head into Leagues and Legends, now based at Shell Harbour, Mount Druitt Westfield, and Campbelltown Mall Store, or check them out online at www.nrlstore.com.au. Fifth and last listeners, you can receive free delivery on any 2013 adult NRL jersey. Be quick, jersey selling fast. Remember, www.nrlstore.com.au. Leagues and legends. And back into the fifths, the award we are up to now is the most underrated player in the NRL. Brock, who is your most underrated player? Most underrated player, Matty Ballon. Um, I think the amount of work that he gets through... Uh, week to week for the Seagulls, um, and it's just a little bits of polish he puts on the end of their set. He's been doing it year after year. I think he's probably one of the fittest players. Plays in the middle. Um, yeah, really. Probably when we we both ranked the Seagulls this year, it was probably undervalued his contribution to the team. And Jeff Tuvey, you hear him um, at least a couple, you know a couple of times uh, during the season, just wrap Matt Ballon up, um, and you know. They all know at the club how, how much uh, he contributes to what they do. and um, For me, he's, he's similar to Cameron Smith in the fact that um, he's one of these hookers that just doesn't seem to get injured, doesn't seem to miss games. and they, yeah. They're the smallest blokes on the field and they play right in the middle of the field and uh, very rarely get um, any time on the bench. So uh, he's my most underrated player. I think he's got a massive effect on what they do. Yeah, my most underrated player, uh, Sean Fenson. He was injured for a large part of the back end of this year, but I still look at him almost like Alan Tung, and he's one of those guys that a Queenslander would say if he was a Queenslander, he'd be the first bloke picked in our side. Yep. But for some reason, he can't seem to get a look in for City, uh, City Country, or the New South Wales Origin setup. When you look at it, as soon as he got injured, 
no one's there to make all the dog shit tackles. No one's there to do the dirty work. The bloke makes 60 tackles every week. He's a bit like Ballon, but at the same time, he still makes 100 metres and gets a couple offloads. So his all-round contribution for them is that of three players in their forward pack. He absolutely has to carry that side, and no wonder he gets bloody injured. It's been a tough year for him, yeah, injury-wise, and and you're right. You can't keep doing that for so long. That's why I'm so amazed that, that, you know, as I said, Ballon and Smith and these guys that play in the middle have just been able to stay fit for so long Mm. with the amount of work they've got to do. But Sean Fensham, he's definitely the spade down there in Canberra. He needs a little, uh, a few more blokes jumping in the trenches with him um, if they're going to make the top eight next year. Yeah, well, congratulations to those two. You are our underrated players in the NRL, but now the most overrated player in the NRL. Well, I, this year, I looked at the state of origin. Um, I looked at uh, you know players that probably got picked based on what happened last year. Um, I got had a look at probably the test team as well. The two that stood out to me were Dave Shillington and James Tarmow. I uh, I really think Dave Shillington is overrated. I don't think he's tough at all. Um, I, I don't think he's got great leg speed. I don't think he offloads the ball. I don't think he offers a good pre-line pass. Um, I think straight up and down, um, he's not a bad player. He's definitely a first grader. But I think the fact that you know I, I, he has missed out on the Kangaroo squad, hasn't he? I don't think he made the Kangaroo yeah. squad. Um, and he, he played in the Kangaroo squad... Uh, for sorry, in the Anzac Day test. So that shows you how much his form has dropped. Um, I tend to think he's overrated. And James Tarmow, um, you know, he had the drink driving incident. He was very, very ordinary in origin. I, I think if James Tarmow plays up near his best football, we win the origin series. We were, we were missing a front rower, crying out for someone to really step up in the front row. And um, he really failed New South Wales this year, I think. Mm. Well, I was a bit the same. I had to look around. I look at blokes like Sam Thiday, who I don't think we had a good year, and Shillington, I 100% agree with, I agree with. But I'm so happy that at least somebody got dropped for having poor form. But for me, it was Josh Morris. Yeah, He still somehow managed to get in the Kangaroos squad. I know Hodges is injured, and Ferguson has been a bit of a dick. And, you know, there's some chambers. I don't know how well chambers didn't get picked. I, I don't bring that up because I'm a Melbourne fan. And I'm going to sound biased, but... Same deal. He was 18th man for the Origin squad. But I look at Josh Morris, and I know people are going to sit there and say, oh, Ben Barber wasn't there. But exactly. All his tries last year come from Ben Barber. What did he create on his own? His few games at fullback this year weren't too bad. He's obviously not a natural, but him at centre, disgusting. Barely any dummy half work. He doesn't come looking for anything. His brother, on the other hand, Brett played in a rubbish side, makes almost 200 metres every week. I know he gets kick returns, but he gets in a dummy half. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how, what, what his try tally finished on. I think it was two or three. Yeah. But just for the player that he is supposed to be, I think to play for New South Wales and be going over to the World Cup for this season, uh, that's he's overrated in my book. I've got no idea how he's in the position he is right now. Mm. So that's my most overrated player in the NRL. Yeah. But back to our team of the year. Hooker is the position we're up to now. Uh, Cameron Smith. I can't go past him, yeah. um, even though at the end of the year... I didn't think he was real great. Um, I thought he probably his last three or four games he looked tired and he, he looked like he'd uh, lost a, a step of pace. But um, in terms of football brain uh, and impact on a game, there's uh, you know you're only sort of talking about Cronk and uh, Cherry Evans and Maloney and you know SVW and there's only a handful of guys that could even rival Cameron Smith on the impact he can have on a football game. Well, I'm 100% there with you, and I was really tempted to give it to Jake Friend, but yeah. it's still 
Cameron Smith, uh, even with Isaac Luke and all these guys, there's no one that has a better package uh, as far as a hooker is concerned, a leader, or, as you said, football brain. And the biggest thing I think that takes him over every single one of those players is he doesn't have great forwards in Brian Norrin and no. you know, some of those bench options like Riles, but Jason Riles didn't have a game under 100 metres, and a lot of that comes down to the way he manipulates the ruck. Yep. He takes the markers out, he makes players hold off, and he puts blokes like Brian Norrie and Jason Rolls into you know large figures that they wouldn't get. Mm. And the biggest proof of this is you watch the Tigers game, I know it was wet weather, but look at those blokes running off right Hinchcliffe. Yeah. They looked absolutely disgusting. The service and the manipulation of the middle of the field uh, by Cameron Smith makes them look like absolute geniuses, and he's kicking game. Yeah. He's tenfold over any hooker in the competition. I don't think there's a better left boot or a kick out of dummy half in the comp. So uh, he just continues to wow me. I don't know when he's going to slow down. Hopefully uh, that end of the year is not the starting signs of a bit of a burnout or a backward step. But Cameron Smith, you are the hooker of the year for the fifth and last team. But now, toughest player in the NRL. Toughest player, I had Jeff Robson. Um, I think he's, he's as hard as nails, Jeff Robson, in, in my opinion. Um, he, he does so much uh, that that you just is undervalued or you can overlook in a game of football. He Every game, he's spotted. Make no mistake about it. He has traffic around at him. Um, he's got a face. He looks like a sausage um, because it just pops all the time. He's always bleeding. Um, but I think he personifies... Uh, the Sharks team, they're a really tough, rigid side and um, I think he's a, a great example of that and I think pound for pound, some of the things I've seen him do on the football field this year have just amazed me um, and I, I think he's really one that Parramatta should have held on to. Mm-hmm. Um, they let him go too early. He, he could really um, add a lot to Parramatta and um, he's doing a really good job with Stable the Sharks. is the key word, I think. Yeah. Great he's... kicking game. He just... He's just, he's just tough. He wouldn't be in the NRL if he wasn't tough. No, but he's just stable. That's my favourite thing about him. He doesn't change anything week to week. He does the exact same job and just, uh, you know, he compliments Todd Carney to a T. Todd mm. Carney needs that bloke there just to be his rock and let him run wild and free. And uh, He was very close to being my most underrated player and my toughest, but I couldn't separate Kieran Foran or Corey Parker. Kieran Foran's obviously, uh, he's not small. He's obviously bulked up now that he's been in the NRL for a couple of years. But he's just a nutcase. Mm. He plays just extremely physical football. He takes a line on a million miles an hour. He's not afraid to get killed, and nor is he afraid to jump in front of a giant front row and try and kill him. Mm. And on the Corey Parker side of things... He, he, how much do you reckon for him weighs? 85, 90 kilos? No, he'd be about 90. Yeah. But I think it's just more... But playing against guys that are 20 kilos heavier. It's um, more the intent, though. It's the 110% in everything. But he doesn't care, does he? He, no. he doesn't care who it is. Jumps in front of him. He jumps in front of the bus. It's not technical. It's not... A 70% kind of thing. It is 110% aggression every single time he does something. And if he gets busted, he just doesn't care either. But Corey Parker, I give similar raps. He played on after Origin. He played 80 minutes. He refused to stop. He's been their Iron Man the last couple of years. And same deal. He can make 50 tackles. He'll make over 100 metres. He'll keep running the ball. He'll kick goals. He's just in everything. He's, he's the Iron Man for Brisbane. And I think he's tough as nails yeah, as well. Yeah, I think his teammates really let him down this year. Most definitely. But... From toughest, we move into the dirtiest player in the NRL. The dirtiest? I went Sam Burgess. Sam. This year, he did some just absolutely stupid stuff on the field. Stuck his finger up someone's bum, grabbed someone's nuts, <laughs> eye raked someone. Um, he got away with a lot know, of it too. He head butted, or uh, well not head butted, but head bumped, if, if you want to call it. High tackles. Um, 
And then on the flip side of that, a couple of times he got whacked and didn't like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd, I think he had a really poor year this year, Sam Burgess, by his standards. Um, I'd like to see him just get the crap out of his game uh, and and just play tough, hard football. That doesn't mean you need to be stupid. If you watch some YouTube clips of him um, over in England and during some test matches, he doesn't need to be dirty to be tough, Sam Burgess. Um, nah. He needs to get this dirty crap out of his game um, and he'll be a much better player for it. What about yours? Uh, my dirtiest, I was looking to pick on Adam Blair again like I usually do because he, <laughs> he usually sneaks in elbows, arms, twists, knees, anything he can get in there. But this year it went to Cade Snowden for me. Mm. Uh, he gets penalised fairly often for loose arms and whatnot, but the two things to highlight, I know a lot of people are going to say that shoulder was incidental. I don't care. It wasn't. He didn't have to go in. I know it wasn't like a big brutal charge up, but he yeah. shattered a bloke's jaw. Well, let me let everyone that says that that's incidental, let me stand there and I'll, you know, you can stand there and I'll shoulder charge you in the face yeah, so and see when how When you're not looking either. Yeah, when exactly. you're not looking, but... And the other one was the knee. I know the docker and Cleary and everyone milked it and they no. said he had a fractured jaw, but... It was a knee. He charged in there, he threw it blatantly, and there was a lot of stupid other stuff. He gets facials in there, he gets a lot of crap in his game. Yeah. He was an Australian front row a couple of years ago and I loved him. Yeah. And I thought his form at the back end of this year got better. He's punching out those 200 metre games, but same deal. Just You know the best thing about him? When he just uses that left-hand fend that you know very well about, and a lot of blokes who play junior foot him know against. Yeah. And he plays hard. Yeah, the best fend growing up. He's him and Junior Moore's two best... He's got the same thing as Sam Burgess. His best football, yeah, without, without the crap, the crap. is he played for Australia. You know what? Him and like Luke Douglas were the two best front rowers almost in the game at the Sharks. Since they've moved, they've yeah. both moved and played absolute poo. Well, I think that he got back to his best, but to get the crap out. But Douglas, Douglas has been absolute shadow of what he was. Mm. So, yeah, you've got Burgess. I've got Snowden, and now we're back to our team of the year. We want the front rowers. Uh, for Fida and Jared. Jared. I think they, this is easy. If anyone has got anything different to uh, Andrew for Fida and Jared Rear Hargreaves, go and smash your head on the table, yeah. as the husband yeah. yeah. always. <laughs> Even though Jared doesn't mind uh, having a bit of time on the sideline, I think he's a bit hard done by by his George Rose one and his bumper. And, you know, it's just, there's little things that frustrate me. They always seem to pick on Jared. Jared's he sails good. close to the wind, Jared. Jared's got, got to like it. <laughs> Jared's full of good intentions. Yeah. He didn't mean to put Danny Badiris to sleep in his final game. Danny yeah. was just in the wrong place. He just tried time. to run at him 15 times before yeah. that. Danny Badiris was just in the but wrong place. It's a game place. of footy. It's dog eat dog. Yeah. You're a little dog, you're going to get trodden on. But that's, that's how it is. All I can say is Jared is a nutcase. Uh, it was showed. The few games without him, they conceded a little more points and they weren't as aggressive. He's the spiritual leader along with Jake Friend, I think, in that forward pack. And I'll Those two blokes are both just so angry, it's not funny. And him in particular, he ran in that semi-final the week before against Newcastle. He ran from the left side of the field because the Roosters kicked to the right and jumped on a five-man pile to get one arm on the first bloke who took a carry. Yeah. And, it, well, you know, that's, he doesn't care. If you got a finger on him, he didn't care. He's he, mental. He just wants to hurt everyone, and he wants to run over the top of everyone. I love it. And how bad is the Sharks' attack when Andrew Fafita is your top, top try scorer? Crazy. But he Crazy. finally did what I wanted. Brilliant. At the Tigers, he played 20, 30 minutes, and he was lazy, and he was, it was almost that, it was that little slump you get in where I'm happy to be in the NRL. But he didn't take it to that next level where his potential is what has got him to where he is now. He's had a young family. He's cleaned his crap up. Well, you know what I think it is? I think playing Origin. Well, I think Since he's come back from Origin, I think he's been a different player. I think number one, getting flicked by the Tigers hurt. And he was a little up and down last year, but then having a family. He's now realised what, you know, I think a lot of people say now they 
have something to play for, or he's they've got, got to pay some, bills. You've got things to, to do, or you've got someone to represent. But I think it really calmed you down. He's got a lot of crap out of his life, which is very evident on the field because yeah. no front row should be punching out consistent two hundred meter games with forty tackles, offload, tackle breaks, and tries, and mm. playing sixty five minutes. That's just unheard of. So yeah. for those two, especially for me, I love my front rowers. Congratulations, you are the front rowers for the team of the year in the fifths. But now we move on to the comeback of the year. Well, I think this one's fairly easy. Yeah, well, there was only really one comeback after I being Sonny Bill. Oh, boo. Sonny Bill. Well, he had five years out of the game. Yeah, well, you can have Sonny Bill. Comes back, kills it. Oh, at the start of the year, that was the burning question over the Roosters. Can Sonny Bill come back um, and make an impact? He had more than an impact. He's in the, or well, definitely in the top 10 players in the competition um, and even in the game. So. Um, he gets a nod for me. Well, he gets all the praise, so I'm just going to leave him out of this one. I'm giving it to Dugan. Dugan, oh, game one, was sitting on a roof, putting cruises away with Blake here, and then he was painting houses and doing whatever. But his 10 games... Yeah, they were good. ...back in origin. But he was a knob. Mate, in 10 games, though, he made 2,000 metres, scored a ridiculous amount of tries, broke tackles, and just shredded. So mm. from what he did at the start of the year to getting picked up by another club and get another opportunity before he got injured... And he stayed out of trouble since. Yeah, he's just been phenomenal, and that's my comeback. I'm looking at this more of a redemption award, not like coming back. Yeah, well, maybe redemption into the game, would have been a better word. Yeah, well, comeback, redemption, whatever. Redemption. He he's the one for me, Josh Dugan. I can't wait to watch him play again next year. Yeah, along with Trent Mabrand. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we move on from that one. The comeback to the peanut of the year. The peanut. Well, this oh, is easy. Blake Ferguson. It, it was Blake Ferguson and Chris um, India. No, no <laughs> I had as because uh, obviously everyone on the. I didn't even post this one up on our page because people would have just been like, "Oh, why'd you even bother?" You know. But my second rank was Russell Packer. Rusty. He pissed his pants on the field. <laughs> no, didn't he? Pissed on the field. You can't go wean your pants on the field. You can't piss on the field. You can't. What an idiot. Uh, if you've got to go, you got to go. So that's he's, he's got the uh, silver medal in the peanut of the year. You can't put your hand up to Wayne Bennett. Uh, not Wayne Bennett, sorry. You can't put your hand up to Matty Elliott and say, look, need to do a deuce or a number one. I've got to use, oh, got to use two interchanges. It's happened before. Two interchanges on and oh, off. I can't believe it. He should have ran off and quickly changed with a bench player. But I think you get fined because of the team sheets, the final team sheets. So. No, he should have just ran up and did a wee and come back down. He would have missed maybe two minutes. Should have jammed himself in between the, the goalposts or at least found some kind of corner. You know what? Hold on to it. No. <laughs> Sometimes you got to go, bro. you got to go. Clinch and tough it out. It has to be Ferguson for me. Sandow's in there as well for yes. his stupidity, but Ferguson's numero uno. Well, what is, what's Sandow's crime? Yeah, I know, but that's what I'll be saying. It's Ferguson number one. He's a peanut. He's he's groped a woman. He's drank on the roof. He's gone walkabout. He went to a freaking press conference with Anthony Mundine and said yeah, nothing. Sat there like a bloody... He looked like a freaking chihuahua. I was going to call this the Agro Award because he was Agro the puppet. He didn't speak oh, unless told spoken agro. to. Him, yeah, he's just... He doesn't need to speak. If he if he has if he does get registered next year, I'll be very surprised. It's bizarre. Because if Todd Carney had to have a year off for what he did, just pissing on a roof of a car with a drink, everyone's done that. <laughs> but if if that's bad if that's bad form, then Blake Ferguson he deserves a ten year ban. Yeah. He should never get to play again. He just deserves one for just being an absolute tool. Yeah. Well, he, I, I unloaded on him at the start of the year, and you and Gossip defended him too. I defended him because I wanted him to play for New South Wales. I just, once people do something wrong, I just put a red pen through them. There's uh, no redemption award for me. They uh, should just boot him out. After he dogged New South Wales, then he fell into my bad list. Yeah. After that, he lost my well, faith. What, it, you know, 
But we'll leave that on behind. Before you want. I'm only getting angrier talking about it. So, yeah. Fergo, Sandow, everyone who's been a peanut this year, good on you. Thumbs up. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Yeah. Have yeah. fun with the boxing career as well, Fergo. Hope you do get in the ring. And I hope someone sits him down. Hopefully they find you someone half decent besides an accountant or another setup yeah. like for 10 grand to get the full over. I'm happy to duke it out with him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave this one. Now we move on to the second rollers of the year for our team. Second rollers? Sonny Bill and Watmau. Sonny Bill and Watmau for me. Um, I know you had Burgess. I did have some, and I know he had a bit of dirt in his game this year, but I think him and George, for them, and it annoyed me every week that Dave Tyrrell and Teo and McQueen, like Teo and McQueen are good forwards, but they're both exclusively edge players. You never see one of those guys come in for a tight carry. Yeah. Jeff Lima was ordinary in my books. Roy Zatazi had a go, but he's a bit slow and old. But without Sam and George... They have zero go forward. They've got no impact. They've got no one who can ball play. They've got no one to score, you know, bust up the middle. Mm. So Sam holds it. What now, you know, had a great year, but I, I had to keep these two in there because I think without him in that side or his brother, South aren't even a contender. Mm. You've got zero just, go forward. I thought he had his head wrapped around um, getting his mum on TV, um, having all his bloody twins there. It just became a bit... Where's my brother? It became a bit of a sideshow for me. I <laughs> I, li- I really liked the look of South at the start of the year. But, That's what happened. And then with about six rounds to go, they started getting them... Like, they wouldn't even flash to the coaches when a try was scored. They were flashing to Mrs. Burgess. I'm going, well... That's Channel 9, my friend. This is, yeah... And Rusty. Yeah, but Rusty. with that and then the papers and she's on, she's getting interviewed, look... You know, I've got no doubt that she's had a played a really big role in in getting the boys to you know over to Australia, and obviously they had the uh, her husband died, the boys' dad died, and there's there's a great story behind it. But do yourself a favour; you're not the one playing footy. Yeah, you deliver zero in terms of um, on field performance, and um, I think they could leave a really good legacy at South. Imagine if all three of them could play in a premiership winning side. It'd be sorry, all four all four of them <laughs> could play in a premiership winning side. I just for me, that was the worst year I've seen Sam Burgess play since he's been in the NRL. Well, he, to me, I can't say it's his worst because the other ones, he's been injured for half the time. So. Yeah, but I think he's played better footy in the short amounts of time he's been on the field. I've, I've, I've been I've, disappointed. I've, I've thought, oh, Jesus, I wish he didn't get injured. Still the this impact, year, I've been, just been, yeah. Well, I like to keep him in there purely on the impact and without him or his brother, and particularly if his brothers weren't here again, they got no forward pack without Sam. He's he, the leader. He of that also sort. gets the George Michael Award for wheel grabbing. <laughs> <laughs> but Sonny Bill Williams, I don't even need to say anything about this one. The guy's a freak. Yeah, he, is. he may be managed by a Muppet who does one-year uh, deals and makes maximum Dora. But let's separate this. On the field, Sonny Bill is incredible. King Kong. Incredible. King right? Kong. Off the field, he is the opposite. He is humble. He is an imbecile. And he is led poorly. And what he's done to Toby Harris and what Stephen Kearney's allowed to um, happen in yeah, all, situation. All I know is if Stephen Kearney, if you're somewhere on a board in Melbourne as far as like Hall of Fame or Team of the Year, or anything, down you, you should be down. Because well, you stabbed Tohu. And Tohu's copped it and they've pushed a, well, my, a, a minor surgery, they called it forward. But to be able to do that to a young bloke who got the phone call, then we are back in the afternoon. We're going a little bit off track. But for me, I blame all of this on Steve Kearney. Because surely, he allowed it, Steve though. Kearney's done nothing all year. He's been an assistant to Griffin. All right, they, they were knocked out four weeks ago. He's had three or four weeks to finalise his squad at least, uh, along with, you know, he obviously wouldn't have the workload of an NRL coach. And he hasn't picked up the phone and asked Sonny Bill. He hasn't flown down to Sydney and had coffee with Sonny Bill. He hasn't 
you know, even yeah, you know, cross this or blow, th- I know shot this missile across Sonny Bill's bow to say, yeah, I'm keen to play. No, I'm not. Why did it come down to yeah, but this is the, the day of? This, you know as well as I do, and I can't blame Kearney for this, this is all planned. This is how Sonny Bill nah. and Coda set all this crap up to be able to get this attention. It was the, the tweet saying, good luck to all my brothers and this and that, and I'm a well-deserved break, and then bang, a couple of hours later, switch. Well, this is bullshit. It's all for me. If I'm Steve Kearney... Yeah, Sorry, but guess what? New Zealand playing. Rugby League backed him up and they said that Kearney went from the word go, so they've scrapped Tohu. So it's bad form on everyone. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll even throw this out there, right? I would have named a 23-man squad. Yeah, if Sonny Bill... And just say, look, we want you to play and, and whatever. I, I just And if I'm the World Cup organisers, I'd even put in dispensation to say that New Zealand can play with 25 and let the kid go. That's crap. Yeah, it is absolute crap. Yeah, see, that's just as shameful, though, because they offered him to go on the touring party, and they said, no, of course you're going to say no. I'm not just going to go to New Zealand for a, uh, over to Europe for a sympathy trip. Yeah. He went to go play football. So Melbourne declined, and he declined. They're going to get his minor surgery, which is nothing that could have stopped him from going, pushed forward, and he's going to go back for the preseason. But I'm sure he's shattered right now. I would. Yeah. Uh, I would uh, he had a great year. But, um, yeah, it's just more the circumstances. So, and Sonny Bill, be a team player, man. Like, think about other people yeah, when well, you're making it, these decisions. Well, You've got enough money. That's why I don't Everyone like, knows who you are. That's why I don't like the tweet, though, either, saying, oh, I'm here, and I know I've done this, but I'm here if my brothers want me. Like, well, oh, it's all back to him again. It yeah, was, it's I'm telling you, it's him and Coda. That's the way they do their business. That's all set up. So well, it's, it's... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's their, the way they do business because we allow it to be. Yeah, that's well, what annoys me. On those two, even though we've just shredded the pair of them, congratulations. And what you didn't say much about what man. It's not unbelievable. Had a great year. Yeah. Great in origin. Um, I thought he really carried Manly in the last two or three games. Um, and his footwork and his defence, I, I really thought last year he struggled. And I, I thought that he may have been losing a, a, a step of pace, um, you know, a step of, of strength. But this year he's been great. Mm. So there you go. Brock had Sonny Bill Williams and Anthony Watmow. I went SBW and Sammy Burgess for the back rows of the year. Now we're on to the best buy of the year. You're going to say Sonny Bill again, aren't you? No, I, I, I couldn't separate Maloney. Yeah, well, mine's Maloney. Robinson and Sonny Bill. Oh, I'm separating them all, Maloney. Um, even Jennings. Oh, yeah. They just had... If you, if, Well, same again. If I had to work out the best five buys in the NRL, the Roosters have had four of them. Yeah, but for me, out of all of them, Sonny Bill gives that little bit of class, yeah, and Jennings gives you the finishing touch on the edge, but Maloney, to me, is the glue in that whole side. Maloney is made... You take Maloney out, they don't win the comp. Maloney has made Pierce better. He's made the forwards better. Yeah. He's made he's made everyone better. Well, who'd play 5'8 if, if Maloney wasn't there? If Maloney's not there, well, I don't know who they would have. It would be Mortimer or it would be Sonny Lange. Yeah, they would have pushed one of them in, yeah. But I don't, don't think they win the comp with one of them. No, they don't. No. And Mitchell Pierce doesn't play the way he does. And Sonny Bill doesn't get the kind of yeah. feed that... Maloney was the calm influence and the glue that kind of just eased everyone. And you've mentioned before his personality. Those kind of blokes make you comfortable or yeah, make everything do. better, whether it be training or on field. 
He kicked yeah. at almost 90%. Everything about him this year was ridiculous, but his overall game, his influence on the game, I think... And money is the other thing I look at. They paid big dollars for Sonny Bill. You expect that. No, to strengthen your argument, I'd even say this for, for your argument. What is the hardest position to find quality players in? Six. In the halves. In the halves, for sure. Halves, but and sixes as well now. Six, yeah. Usually they grab some dirty big um, forward who's not a ball player and try and turn him into one like John Sutton, who's... Slowly gotten around to being a bit better, but yeah. James Maloney is a natural he's six. He, he is your old school six. Yeah. He does exactly what you do. Not only can he play yeah. first receiver, but he plays second. He runs the ball. He supports. Well, yeah. There's nothing missing, and he's a tough little bastard. I couldn't. I just couldn't separate him. I, I looked at well, him and I thought they've all they've all had a huge impact on where the Roosters are at. Yeah, but and I I'd probably give the best buy. And I said at the start of the year in our preview for the Roosters, I think he could prove to be the the best buy out of all of them um, in Trent Robinson. I agree, but I haven't given one to Maloney. I think Maloney's... I'm just, I'm just going to say that I'll give it to Peter O'Sullivan. Until he played reps. And Nick Pilatus. Until he played reps this year for New South Wales, I was going to give him underrated because I've loved him the last few years. I mean, dirty, he hasn't even been looked at. Well, then, the blokes well, are who, who else do we look at? I mean, obviously, it's all going to centre around the Roosters, but, um, I mean, Justin Horry was a really good boy. Yeah, but um, he's coming up in the, okay. in the bargain well, But who else? You know, you look at Dean Ware, you look at James Seguiaro. Yeah, well, Seguiaro. They were great boys. Gordon was a good boy. Seguiaro. I think Luke Lewis had a good year. Yeah, uh, for the I, so I thought Luke Lewis was a bit up and down, but there's plenty, plenty there. Benny Teo. But no, yeah, but the like that level, that absolute level. I don't yeah. think you can put any of them even close to those rooster blokes. Scott but Prince. Maloney, what a great boy. <laughs> Maloney to me though was head and shoulders in the buy department. Yeah. What about worst buy? Well, that's what we're about to move on to. You're, you're shredding my, my, you're shredding me here, mate. Oh, okay. This Sorry, is why yeah. we go in segments. Sorry. <laughs> But the one after Best Buy was going to be Worst Buy. I think there's only two candidates. You're going to pick. I know who you're going to pick. I've got, I've got a smoky. Yeah, well, I, I know who you're going to pick, and you know who I'm going to pick. I'm picking Dave Taylor because yeah, he was cause, awful. Because you hate the Titans. And I broke three Foxtel remotes this year. I'm one of my fourth for the year because mm. of Dave Taylor, a lot of them. Um, the other ones, I don't know, Luke O'Dwyer, Anthony Don. They, they might have had one each. Luke O'Dwyer might have had a broken button here and there. But um, who's yours? I know who yours is. T-Rex. Yeah, T-Rex. He got $600,000. Yeah, we should have got Tedeschi on to run a train on T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> but he just did nothing. You know, He's the other useless. One? I'm going to throw a smoky in. I thought about this last night. Scott Moore. Yeah, but how much money did Scott Moore get? Bugger all. I don't know, but everyone was raving about him at the start of the year. Yeah, but I told you I like him, but he's an Alco. And oh, he, he, he proved wrong. <laughs> I bought into the hype. Yeah, but what kind of rap? He's, he's not on the level. They don't even put Scott Moore. No, I'm not. I'm just saying. It's like a terrible buy. Probably got new new Henry Five. T Rex was two years ago running over everyone for Australia, and I thought, holy crap, these big pricks finally realised who he is. Oh. Good luck. We're going to be like a powerhouse for Origin and this forever. I and Dave him, Taylor has good. Taylor would say, Dave Taylor, he he tricks you every year because oh. he, he plays three or four of these games. You know what I mean? And then like <laughs> everyone forgives him, but. I'm not falling for it. It's just no David Copperfield on me. Dave Taylor, you're a dog. Yeah. He, um, he played his best footy in the last game. Yeah, because almost, they were beaten up almost, on tight teams and there was no finals left. There was nothing almost left to bloody, play for. Almost beat Melbourne down in Melbourne by himself. Because he's like, a semi-trailer, that's why. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's disappointing. Like, we're... I don't know. It's the Taylor Express, but it wants to have a dig. At least Jamal Idris, you know, he was probably one of the worst buyers this time last year. He was a gun until he broke and his leg. He was excellent this year. So hopefully Dave Taylor can but I'm, flip it as well. I'm telling you, Dave Taylor missed a lot of games, but his games on the field were still better than T-Rex. T-Rex did not have one good game this year in my eyes. He had a game where he got a double against the Dragons. People were going, oh, he's back. 
He didn't do anything. They put him through holes in front of the line. He ran over yeah. a midget like Quinlan and Fien. He put garden names in front of Tony Williams. Neck up, you're a giant human being. You've got the biggest legs, body, chest, everything on the world. You neck could, up. You could seriously pick up a jumbo jet and just run with it like a football, but yeah. you choose you not to. He uses a paper airplane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 mate, when he wants to have play time, he goes to the airport and starts using the vehicles. But oh. he's just a monster of a man, and he got paid a monster. And yeah. I was given praise saying he's going back to Des because twos couldn't sort him out. Well, and even Desi couldn't sort him out. No. So, I tell you what, if I'm Des, I'm starting to flip out a little bit. I'd be putting the absolute menace on in this preseason. I I'm telling you, Des is still hiding under his desk, sucking his thumb after what Todd Greenberg and everyone and yeah. Benny Barber. Jesus, been, I need yeah. to be, um, you know, admitted into a psychiatric ward. Award that yeah. goes to Des Hasler. Well, we're getting on to the other one, which was best bargain buyer. Before you shredded my whole segment. Sorry, mate. So best bargain buyer went to horror in my eyes. There's plenty of good candidates in this. <laughs> I shredded your segment. Horro. Horro. Um, mine was, was Sam Moa. The lawnmower. He, he was great. Yeah, well, he was what in about, Oh, Hang on, I'm going to go sidetrack again. Bob McCarthy, right, ripped Sam Moa a new one, said off, you know, about the yeah, quite medal. He yeah, he only played his ass off for 46 minutes. You can't give a medal to a bloke like that. I'm like, Bob. It's pretty ruthless, Bob. <laughs> hey, just because you go for South and they weren't there, don't get saying. cranky. It's because he goes for South. It was always going to me. It was pretty unprofessional, I thought, his comments. But uh, you want to talk about like Dollar Dazzlers this year. Oh, I don't put Simons on the same level, but he was a good buyer. He was a great buyer. But I think buyer. people are forgetting that Leilura and Gagai uh, were both bought of ghetto reasons. They both got the sack. They were bought for nothing. Old Wayne Bennett, he loves a, a Dollar Dazzler. What about Gowie? Gowie, pff, he's not a dollar dazzler. Gowie, Fairy. Uh, Sam Muller, I thought Hiku. Hiku didn't even get the proper wage to go to Manly. Brent, awesome. Brent Lawrence, you guys don't even like. His borderline of boulder for the kangaroos, according to some people. Yeah. Ridiculous. Isaac John. Yep. And another one, Albert Kelly, another one who went prison style. He's got an upgrade now to 200, but he was there on a sniff of an oily rag at the start of the year. But That's all he needed too. Head and shoulders above everybody <laughs> is just an horror. He scored a 1,000 tries. He started from game so one. So you think Horror was a better value by the mower? On, yeah, for the whole year. Okay. 80 minute performances. I, I disagree, but 11 I think Horror was sensational. I think Moa was good, but Moa like, built into it. He was good from the start. He had a bit of time off, and then by the, like halfway through the year, I thought he was outstanding. I but thought they were next level both then. Horror was Clearly like, the top two. From the word go, Horror yeah. was their back row, and he didn't change. I'm and trying to I don't know. I don't know how Horror didn't get into the New Zealand squad. Fair point. So I thought he would have easily done enough to earn himself a ticket over to Europe. But uh, obviously I'm wrong. But yeah, again, you know, you drop people like Ty Harris to pick a bloke up two days after your score was submitted. So good on you, New Zealand. Yeah. But before we have a break, we're going to finish off the Wonder 13 of our side. We're going to name the lock for our team of the year. Easy, Corey Parker. Yeah. Best player, best lock. Um, he was close to my best player of the year. Yeah, well, people are going to sit there and go, Chichuan, Chichuan, and say oh, it was Gallon, Gallon, but please. he missed time. He's uh, got no hair left. When he's there, he is magnificent, but Corey Parker played in a side that was just absolutely rubbish. They underperformed. <laughs> no one carried any responsibility. The halves did zilch. Uh, Matt Gillette, yeah, he scored a couple of tries, but where are you for the rest of the game? Corey Parker and Josh Maguire, when he was healthy at the back end of the year, those two blokes are robots. Yeah. And Corey Parker in particular, because Maguire had some injury concerns, that bloke's a freak. Yeah. And I know he's denied the penner for him, and I 100% believe that he'd never come down here. He wouldn't leave Brisbane because he's no. not that sort of bloke. But my I'd start going for Penrith if, if, Penrith, if, if Penrith could get Corey Parker, what a buy that would be. Well, so that, that finalises our team. So I think our team, yeah, well, our not... joint team, if we put them together, was Slater, Tafua, Lyon, Jennings, Sheck, Maloney, Cherry Evans, 
Fafida, Smith, Hargreaves, Sonny Bill, Watmo, and Parker. Yeah. That was our agreement. But I had Sam Burgess 13. instead. But we're yeah. going to give all that, plus our benches, we told you guys on the website, honourable mentions. They don't have to be specific to a proper NRL yeah. bench. So still any four go. players. But for now, we're going to have another quick break, and then we're going to get into the last stretch of awards. If you want to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, get onto Cenobet and fire up. Download the Cenobet app and get into the centre of the action. Or get on to www.cenobet.com and register now or call 1-800-013-627 for all your inquiries. Cenobet, fire up. All right, back into the awards. The fifths, our award show. And now, the overachiever for this year. Who do you think? Team? Yeah. The overachieving team. Oh, definitely Penrith. Well, I got Penrith. I tipped them to make the top eight. They almost did. If they beat the Tigers down here... When Tim Simona scores a 70-metre try, they make the eight. Yep. They'll one win off the eight. Well, that's what happens. You yeah, need, I know. You, but, need, you, mate, know, you I look know. at their roster. I just look told their you. Roster. I had them as that as well. They were... They're my overachiever as well. But that game, they should have won. The they Tigers should've. are shit. Yeah. And that's just plain <laughs> and simple. So, Ivan, sort it out. Mm. That one game cost you the... Well, they're still play. talking about it now. I know well and good that that's the game they had circled. As everyone. J- James them. Roberts had a good little stint back in. Uh, Dave Simmons looked a million bucks with Farah after they finally got him at a fullback. I've got no idea how they ever thought he was a fullback. Yeah. Matt Moylan breaks through. McKendry comes back from a broken neck. I thought Matt Robinson was awesome until he broke his neck. Uh, Plum, a bloke that a couple of years ago <laughs> was a weapon, was good. Adam Dock is an angry bastard. There's plenty of good things to come out of it. And a lot of names you wouldn't have known before. They the won year. the 20s. Have won the twenties. Grand finalists in SG Ball, preliminary finalists in Harold Matthews, grand finalists in New South Wales Cup. <clears throat> the train is rolling. It is rolling. Buzz Rothfield, I hope you're listening. But you do, do you remember that Parramatta one lock three Harold Matts in a row and how many of them will be seen? So let's hope that Penrith. We didn't win the Harold turning... No, you didn't. But I said power of one lock three or four yeah, in a look row. At Parramatta. Exactly. So Penrith, it's all well and good you got it for the grades. They've got Crossy the Clown's monkey running that joint, mate. Keep pushing them through. Yeah. It's good to they see. Will. Uh, what about your team that you thought underachieved? Oh, the Bulldogs. No doubt in, in my mind. They were awful. They were... I think you look at the Bulldogs and how bad they were compared to last year, and it just shows you how big of a gap there was between the top four and the rest of the competition. For me, if I'm not in the top four and I'm a CEO out there, I'm looking at every single coach in that in that bottom 12 and putting them on notice that that's not good enough. Because I, I thought there was a really distinct gap between the top four and the bottom 12 teams. They, I don't think any of them were ever anywhere near um, the top four. Maybe Newcastle got on a little bit of a roll, but even Wayne Bennett um, sort of uh, you know, acknowledged that, um, you know, that they, were, they were playing their best football at the end of the year. They happened to catch Melbourne um, at the end of their run. But uh, for me, the Bulldogs, you know, I know me and you had cash. We had, uh, we had doubles, bloody Hawthorne into the Bulldogs. And look at the Bulldogs dished up. Yeah. Well, what about yours, mate? Mine's the Warriors. They kill me, the Warriors. Yeah. They are just so brilliant, but at the same time, they just piss you off and let you Did down. They, lose, they lost their last three to not make the eight. Is that right? Yeah, but at the start of the year, they were that worried about Matt Elliott being their coach instead of just playing. When they finally got over it, they went on a massive winning streak. Yeah. And they're just temper. So they're, they're a girl. They're a female. The they Warriors. can thank Anthony Griffin. They are a female. Mm. They're temperamental. Uh, they want chocolate, and then the next minute they don't, and then you call them fat, and they cry, and then they're happy, and then this and that and everything. The Warriors are temperamental. Uh, you've got Sean Johnson. You've got outstanding young players like Lumape who comes in, Sui Matunga. You've got half the New Zealand forward pack. You've got 
Buddy Rapira, yeah. Madalino, Taylor, Mannering, Vatu Vai, Kevin Locke. You've virtually got half the New Zealand side, and they're the world champions for Christ's sake. They, they won two of their last six games when they look like shoe-ins to make the eight. They probably needed to win three of their last six. They, won they two just need to win six. one or two games early in the year when they sucked, and they would have been fine. But um, they lost They lost a game to Penrith. But you know what kills me? It's the tough games. Any time something becomes a grind or a task, they're not in it. And one of those games was a, a win which was controversial over the Titans up, up at the Gold Coast. Um, yeah, and then well, tower the Raiders up and, well, they and killed then last round they lost to the Dragons last they, weren't, round. they weren't going to get in but that was again when something's on the line and yeah, things, but, but at yeah, that, but that point in time they were but a chance things get hard Yeah, they just didn't want to borrow it this year they just yeah. killed themselves and I feel bad in particular for Simon Mannering and Sean Johnson because people were ragging on Sean Johnson with no platform what's he supposed to do he couldn't have played any and other. then on the flip side of that someone like Simon Mannering who busts his ass every week and just does so much dirt and he gets frustrated with the refs and I don't blame him because yeah. I think they get the raw end of the deal sometimes in penalty counts, but I'd be more just pissed off that I'm just carrying the team on my back mm. if I'm Simon Mannering. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're the ones who killed me, but uh, we're back to our teams of the year, our first honourable mention, so the first player you've put on your bench. Cooper Cronk. Dallium, Dallium winner, um, probably unlucky, unlucky, pardon my French, uh, to not make the team, obviously the Dallium winner, but I thought Cherry Evans surpassed him in the finals. What about yours? Well, man? mine's Boyd Cordner. He was the back row of the year. He played for New South Wales, and before he busted that ankle, that bloke was head and shoulders the best back row in the whole comp. Yeah. Uh, he put out big minutes in the grand final after having a lot of time off, and he didn't make any mistakes. And uh, he's rightfully going to the World Cup, and he's a future leader of New South Wales and maybe even Australia. Mm. The bloke's a weapon, and I, keep, I forget uh, at times that he's been playing for a couple of years, and he's still only 21 years old. Yeah. So he, he's definitely a shoe-in on my bench, but... Uh, that, there you go. That's the first player to be put on the bench for the fifth team of the year. But now, your high of the season. My highlight? Yeah. Uh, the State of Origin series. I love State of Origin. I know we've lost eight in a row, but every year it builds up. Um, the expectation is higher in the hope that, that we might you know, break this, uh, break this winning streak. Um, I just I really enjoy State of Origin football. I, semi-final football, to me, doesn't compare to Origin football. Mm-hmm. Um they're, they're the three three best games of the year in my eyes. Um, I've still got all three of them on my IQ. I watch them over and over again. Um, just I, I love the fact that they're the best players from both states, and there's a different level of passion um, and aggression in those games. And uh, it's it's in my eyes, it's the best sporting tradition in Australia, um, yeah. apart from obviously the Ashes cricket. Um, yeah, but that's cricket? that's on an international stage. I think domestically, it's the it's the best. Domestic, um, you know, competition we've got, hundred percent. Um, the other one, uh, just a little one before you get yours, the Titans were the last team to beat the Roosters. So does that mean we ran second? No, <laughs> you guys beat them because Trent Robinson what? did a Craig Bellamy and uh, tapered off for a few games, yeah, and then yeah. went AWOL when they got in the finals. Yeah, it's a highlight for me is the players. Rugby league is just the gift that keeps on giving. People say, oh, we should do this to, for Israel Flower or do this for Carmichael oh, Hunt. Stick it. Here's two yeah. words for you, because we're allowed to put this explicit. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and you know why? Because rugby league never stops giving. We don't need to be out here. And even Sonny Bill. If Sonny Bill wants to leave again... See you later. Take off, champ. We don't yeah. need to give him any special plaudits or praise or fucking ad campaigns before our season starts again. No. Because rugby league is the gift that keeps on giving. Anthony Milford. Look what he gave us. Because there's three or four Sunny Bills waiting in the wings. That's Luke, what you're saying. Luke Brooks, in one game, just absolutely blew my mind. Craig Garvey, Tim Simona, 
uh, Boyd Cordner, Seguiaro, George Burgess, Burgess's other bloody brother, uh, Luke Keary. These kids just keep coming. They don't stop coming. They're not David Nofaluma. Oh, Sheck. Tupo. Yeah, well, there's a million everywhere. George Tafu has been in for bloody, you know, this year, full year, and a little bit last year. But these guys just don't stop coming. So stop bearing down. Sit down, mate. Sit down. Living in the past about Israel Folau, who hasn't played for five years. Or trying to bring Carmichael Hunt back after he left for a squillion dollars to play a game that he's not even good at. So cop that, Carmichael. It's the end of the year, Lewis Shepard. You just move on because rugby league never stops giving. Yeah. The players are never going to stop coming. There's always a kid, whether it be in Brisbane or New Zealand or somewhere in New South Wales, who is shredding people at the age of 14, 15, 16, who is just waiting to burst all of a sudden when a club you know, finally picks them up. You know, for me, um, and this is a, it might seem really weird to people, I think the... the the best or uh, section of our society or of our population to ask about rugby league is kids, because kids don't have money clouding their judgment. Um, they don't have clubs, managers, you know, partners, girlfriends, whatever, clouding their judgment in terms of why they play the game. You go and ask kids whether they want to be a wallaby or a kangaroo or play for the Panthers or play for the bloody emus. Uh, play for the Queensland Reds or the Maroons, that rugby league is the winner, um, you know, hands down. And the kids love rugby league, and we're always going to have great kids coming through. Um, and especially now, money's not going to be an issue. Uh, you know, everyone in the NRL now is making a very good wage. Um, the minimum minimum wage is now more than, you know, I, I know definitely what me and you are on. Um, we're just crap kickers from, from out here, but we, we work five, you know, five-day weeks, and... Um, the rugby league players are now getting um, their rightful uh, reward and, and that money's only going to go up and that credit's got to go to the players over the last decade as well yeah, who, might. who might not have got that amount of money. The, you, you've got to respect the game, respect the, the traditions. Yeah, but my favourite thing about rugby league as well is generally, you know, more than half easily come from low socioeconomic backgrounds yeah. and turn into successes. That's why I love rugby league. Yeah, exactly. But that's and, my and That's why you get to the grassroots of it and... Yeah. and you know, the people in those areas love rugby league. The only thing that ever clouds it is money. Yeah. And but it's about take the, money out of it. You shouldn't do it for money. You should do it because you love the game. It is about those game. But simple, my highlights just the players because yep. they never stop coming. They're never going to stop coming. So if someone pisses off for money or French yeah. rugby or yeah. rhythmic gymnastics, let them go. Because let me tell you, there's always another kid destroying park football who's about to burst through the grades in a couple of years' time and yep. just blow your mind. Exactly. But uh, now we move on to the opposite of that, unfortunately. Your low light of the season. Um, <laughs> mine was no shoulder charges and no punches. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty low. <laughs> it's crap. Talk about going back to being low. Imagine how low loose Jar- imagine, imagine how loose Jared Weir Hargreaves would have been if he could punch someone and shoulder charge someone. Imagine how many times Sam Burgess would have unleashed <laughs> instead of nut grabbing or getting yeah. shit in other ways. I'd rather see him punch someone than nut grab someone. No, no, but that's what I mean. It's ridiculous. That's why I'm not blaming Sam. Rules. Sam's not allowed to do that anymore. He's so not blaming so, Sam. So he's had to be more innovative. Sam, it's all right, man. Soon as it's, soon, soon it's going to be like finger twists and uh, knee bars, you're going to have to find another way to. The only other one, and. Really, really tough one to swallow was the Cowboys again. Going out. Don't start me on the Cowboys. Two years in a row. I mean, last year's one was diabolical. This year's one, they can't even count. Um, and Matt Checkin, biggest ego in the referees' ranks. Um, pull your head out of your backside and, you know, start counting properly. Uh, and Henry Perinara, who I thought to that point in time was my best referee by far for the year. Um, Sorted out, Henry. He, he fell over. I don't know whether he got shot by association. <laughs> 
um, in all of that. It'd be interesting to know who actually dicked the, the tackle count up, but um, it was just a really, really sad, sad affair. And we heard Billy Harrigan on Triple M, you know, a couple of days later say, oh, oh the referees are shattered. Well, I bet they're shattered. Because, you they know, should they, be, because they well, fucked up. They don't go, to bed. <laughs> they go on that Monday. Like, the players have been bloody working their bums off since November, and because you can't count, they're now out. That's right. Um, I think Henry just got excited and thought he was playing again. I, I love Henry. I think he's a great ref. Henry ran a hole instead of counting. He yeah. forgot. He thought he was back playing for the Sharks or Parra again. Yeah. Sorry, Henry. We love you. But sort it out. Seriously. He's my favourite ref, Henry Parra. You need to sort it out. You and Luke Phillips and these guys that are coming through that are ex-players, that's the wave of the future. They're doing a great job. You need to get intelligent players in a referee once they're finished, and obviously ones that haven't had... 12 knee reconstructions and a beaten head like mine where they can't move. But um, What about yours? Well, I could have said refereeing and I was going to because there was some just absolute rubbish this year, but it's still probably just play, baby. And I know it's easy for me to say because, you know, some people in the public and out there don't understand, like I said, it's a low socioeconomic game. I'm not saying everyone that plays football is a thug, but some people have had bad upbringings and don't know any better. And all of a sudden, even with clubs and all this guidance, they don't know any better to you know a way to handle their money or their business and I know the clubs are supposed to be responsible but when someone's an adult you can tell them as much as you want to you go blue in the face that that's wrong if they've had a bad upbringing or that's the way they're raised or they're just a bad egg in general they're going to do dumb shit monkey see monkey do if Blake Ferguson is going to continually say he wants to live like someone his own age does well like I said I blew up early in the year saying well give me your pay packet and yeah I'll happily do that instead of what I'm doing but you know obviously he doesn't know any better. And there's plenty of other blokes in that game, unfortunately, because it is low session that have low socioeconomic that have grown up. And I'm not going to use that as the only excuse because there's others that don't have that, that reason. But player misbehaviour just seems to always pop up at the wrong time. Whether for, for me, it's not player misbehaviour, and I, I totally understand what you're saying. For me, it's it's consistently or repeated player misbehaviour. The That's same I mean. dope just in doing general. the same stupid shit again. I can, you know, we're not angels. We're not angels. No one out there is an angel. Everyone makes mistakes. You know, we make mistakes every day. Some are going to be more amplified than others. Um, If you make one mistake, I can cop that. You know, as long as it's not whacking a woman or killing someone or, you know, something at at the high end of the spectrum in terms of crime. But if it's just something petty, we've all been there and done that. We've all been there and probably got away with that from time to time. Um, But for me, it's just, like you say, you need to learn your lesson. The, the game it's not your right to be in the game it's it's a privilege so I think we need to have a harder line on the players that do muck up I, I'm, and Dave Smith he always says it you know they're young kids and we've got to educate them and blah 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 yet I, I don't think the clubs could do any more than what they do that's what I'm getting at though it come, at the end of the day I'm sick of everyone saying they need to do this and that I played in the 20s and I'm telling you they're edu- responsible for the, your own actions the educational program that starts there and not only there before that now yeah is tenfold. They put you in these camps, they bring representatives from the NRL, Nigel Vungana, uh, John O'Neill, there's, there's a bunch of blokes. Mark O'Neill. Mark O'Neill, sorry. All these blokes, there's plenty of outlets, they teach about money, they get Joel Kane in, uh, the one teach who's... Teach you about Because, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, he was on the punt. Like, like I said, everything's there to tell you otherwise. Yeah. Whether you use it or not is a different story. Yeah, exactly. So that's Leave a horse to water. Don't anyone sit there and think the clubs don't do the work, because I'm telling you, from being in the system... They do more than enough. But at the end of the day, they give somebody that opportunity. A lot of people just put themselves up on a pedestal and think they can break the rules and yeah. and they find out the hard way when they're a brickies labourer or a scaffolder for the rest of their lives, unfortunately. Exactly. But yeah, that was my low light. But um, back to something more positive, the second bench spot in our team of the year. 
Uh, I had Greg Inglis, and I ummed and ahed about this. I really did um and ahed about it. I didn't think he had a great year, uh, but then I was I was doing some of my penning and blistering on my hands. Um, he made 47 try-saving tackles or try-saving plays this season. Incredible stat, um, a mile ahead of anyone else in the NRL. Uh, so if that's going to be something that he's going to be able to consistently um, uh, you know, deliver in big games, um, I think that's going to be a really positive thing for South um, and for Queensland and Australia. For me, though, his last 10, uh, 10 games, I guess, were, was fairly ordinary after Origin. He, he noticeably went off the boil, whether that was because he was carrying that injury or whatnot. Um, I don't really care. I, I can't put him ahead of Billy Slater, um, but I've given him a notable mention in my top 17. Mm. Well, I'm, the only thing I've got to give for that, the, the try-save and tackles, he's outstanding at finishing him off, but that comes back to us at the start of the year saying that they need a centre. Yeah. Because that's where all the line breaks or all the trouble happened, and he did a great job saving a million tries that Merritt or Goodwin or Walker, the poor young fella, let somebody come streaming through, which is all well and good, but... South just get better defensively, and you won't have to make 47 try-saving tackles. Yeah. So stitch up your edges. But uh, my honourable mention for the bench is James Seguiara. Mm-hmm. For a bloke who comes off the bench, he gives more, uh, you know, contribution-wise or quantity-wise or effort in half the amount of time and has had more impact on games this year than blokes that have played eight minutes every week. Yeah. And consistently, too. He doesn't go, you know, more... He, I don't. He's not a week on, week off, or... Two average weeks and then one explosive weeks. James Seguiara is a weapon just about every day yeah. when he steps on the field. And I can only think of one or two games this year that I probably didn't realise him at least poke his head up a few times. So he has to be in that sort. Yeah. He's an absolute freak of nature. But now, back to the awards. We're looking at try of the year. Try of the year. Alrighty, I had uh, Dylan Walker's try against the Titans um, in Cairns. Uh, it was incredible try, obviously. Um, if you get on YouTube and have a look, I think it, it, it was nominated um, in the Daly M Awards. Um, it was beaten by the David Nofaluma try. But no, for me, a, uh, in terms of a, a, an exciting try, um, having to really work for a try, there was no better example of this throughout the year. I thought it was a great team try. I don't think the Titans could have done any more to save it. Um, scrambled well. There was offloads, passes. It went on for probably 30 or 40 seconds. Great play for me. Culminated with a try from a uh, kick from Adam Reynolds to Dylan Walker, who caught it, scored. Um, it was a great try for me. And, um, I found myself up off the lounge, not throwing my remote when the try was scored against my team. I found myself thinking, well, that was too good. Mm. Um, what about yours, my friend? Well, I had two that I couldn't separate, but then I found one because it only just happened. First, it was Maher, the fine gravity, being the little power nugget he was, and that try I love just because Ryan Hoffman rolled the grubber in as well. He's never kicked a foot in his life, you could, you could tell. But Where Maher throws, throws it, it over it his got, head? Yeah, got an evil bounce. Maher's jumped a, a schoolin miles outside the dead ball line and thrown over his head before he's found the floor and Chambers scored. Yeah, I couldn't separate that with Nofaluma because, you know, he was gone for all money. George Tafua tried to hospitalise him by pushing his legs out from under him and somehow he was like a cat. Yeah. He found all fours and planted that footy down. He had no right to, but... Nofaluma? Yeah. In the end, I gave it to Jennings for the grand final try because as far as importance goes, that yeah. was the icing on the cake. And he had no right to score that try. That bloke is quick. Yeah, he's lightning. Um, incredible put down. I know watching it live, you thought it was dead. 
You thought it was dead? The screen, you sort of said, the oh, screen was bad. No, no, game. when we were watching it live, first oh, impression, I thought he scored. You know scored, why? Because I was just so blown away that I thought there's no way he, he had no right to just score. Just to the naked eye, I thought he scored. And you sort of said to me, oh, I don't know. And it's funny how two people sitting right next to each other can have two totally different opinions on it. Then I think when we saw the replay, you probably thought it was more a try than what I did. I, and I was just more I was sort shock. of going, oh, my God, like it's close to the line. And then you get home and have a look at it on HD and the – the the yeah. uh, quality of the video screens at ANZ are well, awful. It's, no, it's not that I didn't think he scored. I was just that blown away. I was crazy. Like, there was no way you scored that. that you and can't... I don't know whether he winded himself or whether he's just... Oh, he did. He powerbombed himself. <laughs> Incredible. That's, um, um, that, that was my try there. Dommy's rep as well. At, 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 at the end, as far as importance. So I was all over the Nofaluma one, but that one in that game, yeah, that's ridiculous. That'll be like any of the grand final great tries that you see year in, year out. That'll be part of a highlight reel for a long time. But Yeah, for sure. Uh, on from try of the year, we move on to game of the year. Game of the year? Um, the Sharks versus Cowboys, the first week of the semis. Um, for me, there was a few. I thought uh, that one for me, uh, the way it ended, the controversy, um, thinking that Kane Leonard had scored. I know we were off the lounge, yahooing and... Jumping up and down, thinking he'd scored and knocked the Sharks out and G-Train. G-Train! Um, but, and then his foot's out, and it was just an incredible turn of events in that game. Um, there were some great tries. Uh, the other one, obviously, for me personally, and I know for us personally, the Titan Storm golden points through our last round, that was a that was a pretty good game. Um, I found myself getting pretty excited about that You were excited, I wasn't. I was um, very angry. Because we were actually competing. Uh, there was another game at Brookvale earlier in the year where Hodkinson kicked um, the penalty goal to win it. I thought that was a good game, but um, there were several, several. What about yours? Well, mine's simple. I love wars. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna throw this game in, but I know what one you're talking it's about. It's the Roosters Eagles semi because yeah. it was just a war. I love blokes just getting bashed. I don't care about tries. People want flashy tries and I oh, do this and do that. And I want points. I don't want points. I want brutality. Yeah. And that game was the closest you get to like an old school game of football. There was opportunities there, but at any given moment when anything looked like it was happening or someone was running down, even when someone was about to score a try run down the side of them, there was no soft grabs or pushes. These blokes just killed each other. Yeah, they did. You're and right. that's the best 4-0 I've ever seen. And the only one that... Incredible. The only game that came near it for me, and it wasn't even really a good game, just again because of the brutality, was Sharks Roosters. Because there was so much hostility in that game with Gallon and all those rough Sharks forwards. And then you had Jared and all the Roosters blokes who are pretty angry customers as well. Yeah. I just love a firing contest. So those two in particular, but that semi-final head and shoulders this year was a game that I sat there and I was just shaking the flat screen because I was that pumped. I was ready to bite my head through the fibre. But, you know, just oh, stoked when I watched that game of football. Best yeah, was, game of footy I've seen all year. We move back now. Uh, we've got only two spots left in our team of the year on the bench and there's only one award left, which is the first ever fifth and last podcast player of the year. So before that, we're going to name our final two bench players. So you've, moving you've on to that. Worst performed player. Oh, okay. Well, worst performed player. Before hang on, we hang on. We'll go, we'll go one more off the bench. Yeah, well, who you got off the bench? Jake Friend. Jake Friend. I'm, I'm happy to eat on a humble pie. It tastes great. Um, I'm great. really... I'm really happy that um, he's come along as a player and I can only see him improving. Uh, I, I really wanted to put him ahead of Smith. Obviously, he can't. Um, not until he can, at some stage, come head-to-head with Smith and beat him. Um, and in the game where they came head-to-head this year, Smith outplayed him. Um, I know it was early in the year, but that's the only sort of cross-reference we've got. Um, but he was great. Really good in the grand final. I thought uh, he was the best on ground for the Roosters. Yeah. Well, my one... Uh, from the other bench spot is George Burgess. Uh, George, yeah. 
The bloke makes the squirrely metres every week. I've said it before, without him and Sam, they've got zero go forward. He scored a ridiculous amount of tries. Him and Andrew Fafita have just changed front row as far as I'm concerned this year. Yeah. You're not supposed to score that many tries, but line breaks and this brutality. A few blokes picked him out in a run at. That's the last bloke you run at. It's like getting squashed by a semi-trailer. Yeah. But he was consistent. That was the main thing. I thought a couple of times, you know, he might get a try at the start of the year. Oh, here we go. Yeah. He's going to be a one or two game, and then he'll have four bad. But he just kept mowing people all year. And yeah. blokes got in fours and fives and tried to bash him, and it never discouraged him. He got up, and he was like Sam when he first got in. He got you, man, getting everyone's face. <laughs> he was just feeding off it. He loved the fact that people were trying to whack him. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was very... I couldn't put him in the starting front rowers, but I have, I have a soft spot for the big fellas, and my God, that bloke's a monster, and I wouldn't want to live with him if he was my roommate, because no. I'd be scared to think what he'd be eating. He's pretty crazy. He might eat me in his sleep, to be honest. I think <laughs> he'd be that kind of bloke that if you fell asleep during one of your car ride or on a plane, he might be nibbling on your arm. Mm. But uh, yeah, big Georgie. But the last category before we have our last bench spot and the player of the year, Brock is right. I did miss one, unfortunately. Yeah. It is the worst performed player of the year. Well, and you could you could judge this in many different ways. You could just say it was some bloke who was rubbish, but I, I think I've I'm, I've looked at this situation more as to the value of a player or their standing in the game, yeah, and their importance. So, who have you got? All right, I've got um, Benji Marshall for me is one. Benji Um The other one is Ben Barber, and the other one is Chris Sandow. I couldn't separate them. I think Chris Sandow, uh, for what he is getting paid, yeah. Is well underperformed. Um, ben Barber for the season that he had last year and how the Bulldogs rely on him um, was awful, uh, and he obviously had the off-field issues. And Benji Marshall just a range of different things. Just didn't look like he cared. Falling out with players, um, whinging about contracts that weren't signed with former CEOs, uh, then getting on New Zealand TV with a, another club's jersey on when he's still under contract at the Tigers. Uh, yeah, just a range of, of different things for Benji and I think he was in well in need of a change um, but those three were the three to me and as you said they were the guys I looked at at the start of the year and thought you really have to have an impact for your team to be successful and and you know you look at the Tigers the Dogs and the Eels and they all underperformed this year mm. well I had a couple I couldn't separate it was pretty similar with Barber and Sandow in particular and I, I couldn't mention Benji because I couldn't give a shit he's moved on uh, he, he was horrible. <laughs> they were pretty bad in general. But, yeah, uh, yeah Barber, the Barber situation, I look at it that way. He didn't really have much field time. Uh, and then when he was there, he got injured and he had all these issues. So I'm kind of giving him, scrapping him from that because he didn't play the whole year. And I'm going to scrap Sandow because, like I said, he went off with Owen Craigie on a farm and playing Where's the Gold and Blackjack and whatever, <laughs> whatever else. Where's the Gold? But as far as uh, payment... And playing a whole year and having absolutely no excuse. I'm going to bash the bloke again. That's Tony Williams. Oh. Tony. Good. Sort it out. Yeah. You've just... And, it, you know, it's it's no different when I get angry about Jared Hayne or Greg Inglis or someone. Like, I know sometimes stuff's going on in your life or you've got an injury or you've played 30 games during the year. But there's some people that are just exceptionally talented. And it just gives you the shits when you watch them and they don't have a go. Yeah, and they're weaning up against and the wall. And he's the size of a hair. He's the... The biggest human being on the planet, yeah. And he tipped on the, the, the thing that disgusted me in their last game of the year when they were losing that game to Newcastle. I thought he's, he has to have today of all days. You need to have an impact. No. His first carry, he got given a ball and he was one on one with a half, 
he tipped it onto his halfback, Trent Hodkins, and he got him murdered by the forward inside of him. And I looked at that and go, that's how bad you've been this year. Yeah. You can't even find in your head. And, and I tell you, from a big boy's perspective, when you say a halfback or a small nine oh, yeah. or a tiny bloke, you've got one lips. thing in your head. Guess what, champ? I'm going to put both my elbows in your face or your chest and I'm going to run over the top of you. Yeah, I'm making life difficult for He's you. He's just lost any of that love. Like, to be a bopper, you need to have that love for the contact. Yeah. And for his paycheck, compared to all those other guys, I completely agree. But for a bloke who played the whole year, didn't really have any issues or any excuses, with Barber out, he could have really helped that side. Yeah. Because they had some injuries with their other forwards, but he had zero impact on their season. So, for all the hype and what he is, he's my most underperformed player for this year. There you go. Fair enough. And uh, we've got one more spot left. Yep, on, on the, our bench. On the bench for the team of the year. So, um, what do you got? Toddy Carney. 20, 20 try assists for the Sharks. Um, I know he he had double more than any player in his team, and obviously we, we spoke about the toughness of Jeff Robson, uh, the fact that they have a lack of centres, they've got obviously a, a very strong forward pack. All of their offence and points and their production um, on the scoreboard comes and from Todd Carney, plain and simple. Him and Michael Gordon. Uh, Michael Gordon had a good year, not a great year, um, but I thought Todd Carney was excellent. I thought he, he probably started the year off a little slow, um, for the first six weeks, but after that he was uh, head and shoulders. Uh, him and Fafita were, by a mile in my eyes, the best two players for Cronulla, and he gets the last spot on my bench. Well, the last spot on my bench goes to Watman. I didn't have him in my starting side. Yep. Uh, I kind of had three names here, and I couldn't decide, so I'm going to mention the other two. Cooper Cronk, I know everyone's going to say he was the Dalian player of the year, but he's consistently been good. This is my team of the year, yeah. not anyone else's team of the year. Team and it's not the, the Dalian team of the year, so I don't have to put him in if I don't want to. Yeah. And I didn't. I put Cherry Evans in. So he's just on the edge, and so was Friend. Once again, I know I gave him plenty of raps, and I've got him in as the most improved, you left him out. improved player, but I have to give this last spot to Watmeyer. I think uh, anyone who come out and said it wasn't one of his best seasons, you're an idiot. Mm. Uh, you, you, you pieces people that look at a try or oh, he scored seven tries look at his games and yeah. even with his knee injuries and his problems he needed to step up because they had a rebuilding kind of phase that pack they were getting a bit older they were a bit more light on the bench the bloke's just a weapon and you know the number one thing he got out of his game or two things yeah, he used to always give away at least two or three penalties and drop the ball two or three times and the thing that pissed me off was the drop balls used to be in the play the ball area and no one would be touching him he just couldn't put the ball on the ground mm. But he scrapped that this year. He barely made an error. His penalties weren't, you know, he wasn't as volatile as he could be in the past. And he was back to being the good old pinball that we all know and love him to be. <laughs> he's got action hero hips. He like, doesn't barely rotate, but he's just a weapon. Yeah, great so player. He has to get the last spot on my bench. Yep. I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked you've left out Cronk and Friend. But good on you. I like it. People say we're biased around here. Well, there's no bias on the fifth and last podcast, that's for sure. Well, people, because there's no Titans in my team. None. I ain't got a Titan. I've got, got two Storm players, but Cameron Smith's potentially the greatest hooker of all time. So yeah. anyone that thinks that's a bias pick, you're just an idiot. Yeah. Slater and Smith. And the Slater and Inglis, they're the two best fullbacks in the comp. Uh, I, I'm going to throw it out there right now. And I you left Inglis out as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've got well, no qualms with that. It's good. I, don't, I, like it. I know people are going to say he's injured, but yeah, that's why. He had his 10 good games. Yeah, he got hurt. Fine. That's all well and good. But I'm yep. going 26 rounds, complete impact, yep. whole year. I good, think I like Billy it. Slater was better. I like it. For the whole year. But right now... We are at the end of the fifth award show for the fifth and last NRL podcast. And in the process right now, I have ordered a trophy slash shield that will be given every year. Obviously, I can't go stalk an NRL player and hand, <laughs> hand him his trophy or try and chase it up. We'll probably harass 
the winner via Twitter and show him that he's won, and he'll probably send back that's great in blockers because <laughs> he thinks we're a bit strange. <laughs> uh, the player of the year was one that uh, we had a bit of debate over. Everyone's going to have their own opinions. I know people are probably going to have a whinge as soon as we put it up because there's plenty of keyboard heroes out there that like, <laughs> like to rag on opinions, but uh, opinions are like ourselves. Everybody's got one. We're all entitled to one, but uh, between us, we had a bit of a back and forth. No, we agreed. I, I, I in particular, I pushed a strong case for a Blake, well, Andrew Fafita, but Brock's not really uh, buying into that. That's a bit of my front row I love there, but here it is, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of... The fifth and last. The inaugural. Yeah, the inaugural. Fifth and last play of the year is... <laughs> Daily Cherry Evans. Boom. Boom. There you go. Oh, it makes me feel a warm and fuzzy inside. Oh, too good. First winner. He was too good. He, he wasn't far away in the Dalian voting, um, and he was by far and away the best player during the finals. I know they lost the grand final. Uh, he but won he, the Clive Churchill medalist. He won the Clive Churchill medal. A lot of people have since ragged on that decision. Um, I totally agree with that decision. Um, and for me, he was he carried that side during the finals. He really uh, did. He carried him in the grand final, uh, and full credit to him. It was a it was a really polished season from. Cherry Evans and the scary thing is, is I don't think he's gone anywhere near his ceiling no, um, and he's got Andrew Johns mentoring him he's got a very solid Haas partner next to him um, there's only good things to come and we forgot like I said before he, he missed out by two points but he played three origin games off the bench yeah. where you accumulate points Cronk got a couple of ones in those games yeah Daly didn't get on the field to even have an impact. So yeah. you put him back at club, I'm telling you, out of three games, you can't tell me he's not getting a three-pointer or another two. I reckon he either would have tied Cooper Cronk for the Daly M medal or yeah. he would have beaten him. Okay. Yep. But overall, um, and, and consistency. He didn't have a bunch of three-point games where he was man of the match. He was good all throughout the year. Yeah. His kicking game under Andrew Johns is the, probably the biggest thing I've noticed this year. Yeah. He's running his second to none, and he is an old-school halfback. He can actually play football he can actually see things but his kicking game I love it mm. he puts in these weird little wobbly lollipop kicks he was putting in mully grubbers uh, he had a couple of low, low torpedoes and he loves that corridor he was kicking in that corridor in the grand final there he's a thinker mm. and he's an old school player and uh, like you said before I think the best is yet to come which is probably the scarier thing and he didn't have second year syndrome last year and he's gone further again now yeah. and that's the thing that keeps freaking me he's, out what three Three seasons, he's won a grand final, he's lost a preliminary final, and he's lost a grand final. So it just shows you how far quality halves take you in this game. He's played for Australia and Queensland, and like I said, and I'm, you know, we've we've said it again uh, about the Cooper Cronk situation. I said it clearly, and before, Cooper Cronk is where he is because of hard work. He's not a naturally great ball player. That system fits him. Would he do well outside that system? Uh, He probably would purely off hard work, but Mm. he needs that kind of around him. Whereas Daly Cherry Evans... Yeah. Not only is he ridiculously naturally gifted, but he's added to it, which is what you want to see in an NRL player. And my God, I think... I don't want to put the mocker on him too early, but after three years, what I've seen, I think you could be looking at another immortal if he's injury-free and plays this kind of football for his whole career. Because yeah. cool. the bloke is absolutely outstanding. Very cool. Uh, a massive congratulations to all of our winners, even though you don't have a clue who we are. And you probably don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> but we're going to hit them up on we're Twitter. We're going to hit you up on Twitter and let you know whether you acknowledge us or block us. That's up to you. <laughs> so high fives all around. 
But uh, in particular, the player of the year for the inaugural The Fifths Awards for the fifth and last NRL podcast, Daily Cherry Evans, hats off to you, my friend. You've had an absolutely outstanding 2013 season, and anyone who thinks you shouldn't have won that medal needs to go, as I've always said, smash that on the table. <laughs> but that wraps up this awards ceremony. Ten times better than the Daly M's, Tony Squires, Russell Crowe, and George Burgess's mum, Julie Burgess, all over the TV on Channel 9 every two seconds, followed by Tom Waterhouse ads. Mm. So that wraps it up. Boxhead, you've got some dates to give us just before we head off? Yes, obviously, um, today we've recorded this tonight. This should be out early Friday morning. Um, next week, we're going to go into our season reviews. We're going to review all 16 clubs, um, have a look at uh, you know the pros and cons and why they finished where they did and how bad our predictions were. Um, prior to the season kicking off. Um, that should be out by Tuesday or Wednesday next week. We then, on the 21st of uh, October, we have a World Cup preview podcast that we're going to release. We're going to go through uh, all the games, have a look at uh, all the groups and, and obviously break down the Aussie, Aussie squad and, and how we see their run through the World Cup. On the 13th of November, we're going to release a World Cup update. So after the group stage and before the quarterfinals kick off, we're going to have a, a, a look at the tournament so far, break that down. And then our final podcast will be on the 2nd of December, the World Cup review. Um, and then we'll probably have 10 or 12 weeks off and um, drink Coronas and, I don't know, lay by the pool. How does that sound, my friend? Sounds pretty good to me. We're almost uh, due for that break, but the World Cup extends our podcast. I can't wait for the World Cup. I wasn't that excited about it, but now I'm pretty excited about it. Well, I'm pumped about it because I hope someone jars Sonny Bill for stealing Tohu <laughs> Harris's spot. No, yeah. the Pommies are pissed off. Mm. That's really what I'm... And well, someone, the pommies are, in, pommies are in camp in South Africa. They're taking this pretty seriously. Well, all I can say is Ben Westwood, wherever you are, I hope someone splits you. He only got one game for that I don't. Punch. I hate Ben Westwood. <laughs> You're a grub, Ben Westwood. Shrek. But uh, that wraps up the award show. You've got all the dates there for the remaining podcasts. So for now, get your lips around this one. Keep your eyes on Facebook. We're going to keep chucking up these categories to get your thoughts on what you would have picked. Yep. And uh, we're also going to put up our combined team of the year. But once again, congratulations to all the winners, and in particular, the inaugural player of the year of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Boom! We're out. See ya. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.